Just a quick reminder before we get to this week's episode. If you like Procrastination Planet, remember to subscribe on your favorite podcatcher. If you use Apple or Stitcher, please leave us a five-star rating and a review so we can climb the charts and get discovered like Lana Turner at Schwab's Drugstore. For those of you who've rated and reviewed, thank you, thank you, and thank you. And now, on with the episode. We're back, everybody. I'm Carly Knight. And I'm Sabrina Monet. And this is Procrastination Planet. Where we should be writing, but... So what have you been up to, Sabrina? The summer allergies. I just, I can't believe we're six months into the year. Mm. It's, yeah. It's flying by way too quickly. Yes. I'm going to say to hell with segues and just say I've fallen down a bunch of musical rabbit holes as I've been editing our soundtracks episode. As of this episode... That soundtrack episode may or may not be uploaded because we don't really go in a particular order when we edit and upload. Yes. That's why we don't get too terribly topical. My whole thing is if the take we do that day is fire, I want to edit that episode and upload it pretty soon. Yes. So anyway, during our soundtrack episode, I realized that there were a lot of omissions. One of the most glaring omissions in the world, because I was talking about New Wave and stuff in the episode. Mm Mm-hmm. And I completely left out Allison Moyer of um, Yazoo oh. or Yaz. Okay, so the episode was, it was jogging my memory. So I'm like, oh, wait, Allison Moyer, that one song I liked. Okay, oh, fuck. Why did I forget her on the episode? I got to do some serious housekeeping because housekeeping. So anyway, the rabbit hole. Um, she has a couple of albums that she released, one in 2017 and I one in, I think it was 2013, but she went back to her Electronica roots and it's kind of this Bowie-esque. Ooh. Yeah, this kind of Bowie-esque sound that she's going for. I mean, she's got the most flawless voice as far as pop music ever. So now with her latest albums, she didn't go the route of, oh, I'm old, I have to hang it up and I have to do calm and sedated music, blah, blah, blah. She seems to be embracing this elder stateswoman status. As an electronica musician, I thought, holy shit, she's badass. She's still badass to this day. And she still lays it down. This will segue into our topic, badass bitches. Yes. So I wanted to talk a little bit about badass bitches of literature or fiction and film. If you went the fiction and film route, Sabrina. Yes. I'll be literature. You'll be film. Awesome. There we go. Both worlds. Cool. So we didn't do a body swap this episode. No, we did not. (laughs) (laughs) We talked about characters we hate. Talked about fuck boys. Now we're going to talk about badass bitches. Yes. We might do an episode of don't marry this bitch. Nah, we're not going to do that. We're going to stick to strictly male bashing. Yes. So... Sorry about it. Not really. Do you want me to throw one out the gate or? Throw one out the gate, Sabrina. Okay, so badass bitches in fiction. And actually, it goes in fiction as well as in uh, television. Michonne from The Walking Dead. Well, we are going with the graphic novels. Yes. So there we go. It's a graphic. Loophole. Yes. So um, she was amazing in the graphic novel before we ever saw her enter in season two. Of The Walking Dead. Are you familiar with Michonne or are you drawing a blank? I'm drawing a blank. I couldn't get past the first couple episodes of Walking Dead. I'm just like, okay, more zombies. So with Michonne, you have this character who is by herself. And to survive on her own, she chained two zombies onto these, um, yeah, 
on, on, onto these chains attached to her backpack and walked around with a machete. Ooh. So. That is badass. She was a loner out there in the woods by herself for a couple of years before she ran into the rest of the group. And then it's like, you know how, uh, how feral people are? If they're out there on their own, they don't actually want to come and be part of a community. Mm-hmm. And then it's like three years of her slowly letting them in and becoming part of the Walking Dead family. So if the apocalypse ever happens, I want Michonne with her machete by my side. I want a machete. Yes. But like, I just want a machete. With a machete, are you talking about like the flat ed? Oh my gosh, this is the fob in me. Uninformed um, opinions <laughs> where we don't read up. Oh, okay. Do you want like a really thick one or do you want like a really slim, longer one to sort of. Well, I've the... been lifting lately. Gotcha. I've been lifting. I can get that thick one. Yes. I'm just slicing motherfuckers. And I apologize. Okay, it... don't, don't do a 5150 hold on me. I'm not really. She's fine. I'm not really going to present a harm to myself or others. And I apologize. She had a machete and a samurai sword. So both. Me or what's her name? Oh, Michonne. Oh, okay. I thought you, you couldn't hold a machete and a samurai sword. It's too much. No, I'm, I'm not there yet. You're not I there. will be there yet. You're getting there. I will be there. Yes. I'm trying to get some Michelle Obama arms is what I'm going for. Michonne has the Michelle Obama oh. arms. Oh my gosh. Jealous. But you know, cutting through all those zombies, you have to. That's a good workout. Right? Killing zombies. Yeah. Well, you should do one of those zombie runs. Oh my gosh. As far as marathon training and everything. I did. I like. Actually do the training. Actually do the training. Yeah. Actually do the training and then dodge the zombies. And dodge the zombies. I've done a, a smaller, like two small Halloween zombie runs. But the funny thing about that is that legally they're not allowed to touch you. So you know if you stop and go, oh my gosh, they can't actually come near you. So Well, that's no fun. That's no fun. <laughs> I think you need to go with like um, one of the bootleg zombie runs or something where they don't give a fuck about regulations. Yeah, they're just there. Just I mean, I'm, I'm very much a bleeding heart liberal and I realize the importance of regulations in a lot of contexts because we need to be fair to employees and consumers and renters and all that sort of shit because people in corporations fucking cheat yes but when it comes to zombie runs you need that element of danger when there's zombies involved there's no rules true so that's where i stand on this really hot and controversial topic and i'm behind you there (laughs) (laughs) who do you have i've decided to stick with the classics that way i don't have to worry about spoilers gotcha because if you're gonna get butt hurt that i spoiled something written 100 years ago or 50 years ago Fuck you. (laughs) I'm gonna talk about Scarlett O'Hara. Oh. She is a badass bitch. She's one of the baddest bitches in literature. Now, don't get me wrong. Gone with the Wind is problematic as shit. Yes. The humanity of the black characters wasn't fully expressed. Although Scarlett O'Hara was a lot kinder to the black characters than she was to a lot of white characters. She didn't treat any of them like shit as far as the movie goes anyway. But the problematic elements of Gone with the Wind are a whole nother topic. I acknowledge the problematicness. Is that a word? I don't know. Anyway, it is now. It is now. But we are going to be talking about Scarlett O'Hara. She was clearly somebody who did not live up to the rules of what a good Southern Belle was supposed to be. A good Southern Belle was supposed to be just this mindless, empty vessel whose purpose was to have a bunch of rich man's kids in order to create more heirs for the plantation fortune. And she was smart, she was feisty, she was very rebellious, and she bucked against tradition. She did a lot of shit that was ruthless as fuck, 
Yes. She had like a thousand different marriages and a lot of them were just for the sake of convenience. I know that's not the most feminist thing to get married just for convenience or because you have to get your identity outside of yourself and whatever. But given that we're talking about the antebellum South, there weren't a lot of options available to women. I think you probably had it the easiest if you were a wealthy widow. Because <laughs> you had your financial independence, but you didn't have to be beholden to another man. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> so the thing about Scarlett, she didn't have a lot of options as a woman in the antebellum South, but she was able to use what resources she had at her disposal in order to accomplish whatever goals she had. Like with her first marriage, she married out of spite because Ashley decided he was going to marry Melanie, perfect little Mary Sue Melanie, the perfect magnolia ideal of what a Southern woman is supposed to be, just all martyring herself and shit. Fuck Melanie. Anyway, Scarlett got in her feelings about that. She's like, you know what? I'm going to go marry, I forgot the dude's name, but he was stupid and he went off to war anyway, so it wasn't like she had to fuck him or anything. So he dies in the war. And she's in her mourning gown. She's wearing all black. And back then, you were supposed to be in mourning for at least a full year. And then you can move into half mourning. And you're supposed to be off the market and kind of shuttered away. And if you're a widow, you basically had to put on this performance of how much you were so truly devoted to this guy. And you had to do it for like a year, year and a half. I think a year is good enough. If you are truly grieving someone's loss, you take whatever time you need, of course. But for society to say, this is the time you need, that's kind of shitty. Maybe you're ready to move on a little bit sooner because, hey, you feel like there's something missing in your life and you want to feel, you want to feel love again. You want to feel love from somebody else again. But anyway, Scarlett showed up at one of these fundraising events and she was wearing her black morning gown. But you know what? I think she also realized something else. Black is also for cocktail hour. Because she's like, fuck this morning. I'm not going to be in morning. I'm going to dance. And so she's dancing with all these guys at the ball in her morning gown. So she's like, fuck propriety. And of course, we cannot forget how resourceful and gritty and determined she was. When she had to go raising some money, she had to get some money out of Rhett Butler for, I think it was for the plantation. I haven't seen the movie in a thousand years. It was like a three hour long movie. But anyway. I've never seen it. Oh my god, we have to have a watching and maybe we could discuss it or something. That would be fun, a live watching. Yes. But anyway, there's that infamous scene. Because she had to have a proper gown, right? Because you can't go fundraising when wearing your poverty threads. It, it doesn't work. The curtains, right? Yes, the curtains. She's like, okay, these curtains are a nice velvet. This is a fine fabric. Mammy? Can you make me a dress out of these curtains? There's a lot of yardage here. These curtains are big enough to accommodate my crinolines. So she had that dress made out of curtains. And then she's digging that, was it a carrot? Was it like some shriveled up old carrot out of the ground? And just eats it with the dirt still on it. And she's like, as God is my witness, I'll never go hungry again. So she's going to do anything it takes to survive. Yes. And I think that's what makes her badass. She wasn't going and doing like her karate kicks and everything and and using like brawn and whatever she's she wasn't doing the action girl thing because you can be badass without being an action girl but the thing that makes her badass was her grit and determination and okay she did use a little bit of brawn when that yankee soldier had broken into their house and he was probably going to do some horrible shit and so she just shot him point blank with the pistol nice so she will shoot you if she's got to oh my god 
This reminds me, I'm scribbling out checkpoints I've covered. Like a true professional, you can hear my pen scribbling. Well, anyway, there's this family story in my family, right? Uh-huh. Um, I supposedly had a Cherokee ancestor, oh. full-blooded Cherokee, but she was married to... Um, Married to an Irishman. They were somewhere in the South. And apparently some Yankee soldiers, like two of them, broke into the kitchen after she had just finished canning, putting all the canning away and cleaning the kitchen. And they fucked up her kitchen. And she stabbed them both with a kitchen knife and buried them in her backyard. Nice. Although I told that story to someone recently and a couple of people recently. And they're like, these are two separate people in two separate incidents. They're like, that reminds me of Gone with the Wind. And so... I'm kind of wondering if it's one of those things that got embellished over the years. Because, like, family stories can get embellished. Gotcha. And plus, there's the whole thing where a lot of Southern people, like, Southern white people claim to be part Cherokee. And I I think it's kind of a way of trying to be like, I can be an oppressive racist dickhead. I'm part of the most oppressed minority there is. So I'm not even sure if this Cherokee ancestor is actually Cherokee or if this was kind of some family lore that got embellished. Interesting either way, though. Although it wouldn't surprise me if there was someone in, in my family who murdered some motherfuckers for messing up the kitchen. Yes. Because it's like, if I finish cleaning shit up and you fuck it up, I will probably murder you. Yes. Okay, not for real. Don't put me in a 5150 hold. But this is probably where I get my temper. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's the Irish part of me that that's the temper. No. <laughs> it might be this woman who, I don't know, she could be a white woman. I don't know. I really don't know. What an interesting story, though. It was an interesting story. I... It wouldn't surprise me if there was a woman in my family who murdered someone for fucking up her kitchen. Yeah. So. Stay out of the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. Don't fuck Don't up my mess kitchen. With it. That's right. Okay. What's next on your list? Oh, I'm going to take it back to the 80s. Yay. I have Valeria in Conan the Barbarian. Do you know who that is? is I know it? Conan the Barbarian. I wasn't allowed to watch a lot of that, though. My parents took me to go see it on the big screen. They were like, this is such a family fun movie. (laughs) We sat there, you know, swords, blood. (laughs) Um, What I liked about Valeria, I was little when I saw that story. And I could recite it even when I was a kid. And I think it's when I became obsessed with blood magic. So in... um, Okay, what's blood magic? Blood magic is when you really, really, really want something. And you're going to use a spell. But... You, you use your own blood in the spell. And if you get into blood magic, you know the penance for that. It's going to come back to you, but you never know when, and it's going to be at a very great cost. Does this blood magic actually work when you do it, though? Yes. Because I want to know if it's worth the consequences. Yes. Okay. Um, there's probably something that they write it as <laughs> in literary fiction, because Harry Potter's mother was another blood magic. Oh. No one is stronger than Voldemort. And when he tried to take Harry Potter, he failed. Why? Because she used blood magic. And it's one of those things where he never thought anyone would ever go that route. Because blood magic, it takes you. But back to Valeria. And I actually like that name. And I wonder if George R.R. Martin got his whole Valerian steal from the Valeria character out of Conan. I'm going to have to look that up. That's something. But um, I know there's Valerian root that helps to stimulate sleep. Oh, wow. Or relaxation so that you can fall asleep. So with Valeria, she is Conan's partner. They're kind of like buddies, but they are it's not romantic quite yet, or, or it is. And then he dies. He dies, and she doesn't know what to do. So she performs blood magic to get him back. Um, and she chants to the oh, ancient ones. Oh, I think ones. you're thinking of Valerian Steel. 
Oh, the Valyrian from, or Valyrian steel? I, from Game of Thrones? V-L-L-V-A-L-Y-R-I-A-N. It's yes. not Valerian. Okay. Val- yes, that one from, from Game of okay. Thrones. Maybe that's a whole other thing. And so she uses blood magic, her own blood. She cuts her hand open and she uses the blood to bring him back. And so with the blood magic, she knows something's going to happen. And it's one of those moments where they get away. He wins the fight. It's going to be the end. And boom, she takes an arrow right to her spinal cord. And that's when she knows she dies. But she died like riding on a horse, getting away from the bad guys when that arrow went right through her spine. And it was one of those things where he asked, he's like, oh my gosh, this can't happen. And she's like, it's okay. It was a blood spell. I knew it was coming back to me. And I was obsessed with blood spells ever since. <laughs> but now I'm going to be obsessed with blood spells. Did you ever get into blood spells or like... I never got into blood spells. This, this is the first I've heard of the blood spells. Like, th- But now I'm going to get into them. But they're like, um, they're strong. And if you <laughs> utilize it, it'll come back to you no matter what. But I'm superstitious. And so, yeah, Valeria doing that blood spell to save Conan. That it just stuck with me from the 80s on. And I was like, she's so badass for that. Do you know what scene I'm talking about where she makes the blood? You never saw it. My bad. You're bad. (sighs) But yeah, I thought she was a badass female. Okay. And the actress that played her is really cool. I don't, she only did these, um, what do you call it? If it's, they're not really period pieces because it's, it's sci-fi fantasy, but they're dressed like, like Conan in them. Oh, yeah, all the loincloths. Loincloth stuff. So she was like a loincloth actress, and she had a bunch of different roles within that. Sandal Bergman played Valeria. She's amazing. Mm -hmm. And the way she wielded that sword, but then her self-sacrifice for the team, that's what really drew me to her as a badass character. Was she a bodybuilder or something? She probably was. There's something athletic, like a gym. She's probably the Olympian or something. Oh, she's also, she's an American dancer stunt woman and actress yes according to wikipedia but the stunt woman thing i told i totally get that i I definitely see that she she's like muscular yeah but in that moment of hopelessness when they thought the battle was lost she performed a blood spell oh and that's why i liked her now i have to look up blood spells as long as nothing happens to my dogs no it's not their blood you're spilling okay i'm spilling my own blood okay blood magic it was blood magic like harry potter's mother used so we went with some loincloth wearing realness yes and where are you taking us i'm gonna go back to ancient greece i already covered medea in a previous episode yes i believe it was the fuck boys episode and this time i'm gonna cover circe nice the sea witch in the odyssey Excuse me while I turn to my term paper from mythology this last fall. It's kind of like a bridesmaid dress. You can't wear a bridesmaid dress a second time around, but by God, you will find a purpose for it because you spent so much fucking money on it, even if you have to repurpose it and turn it into something else. Yes. I am going to do the same thing to my term paper. Very cool. I am going to exploit it for podcast fodder. Don't skip and take a nap. I'll make something of this, okay? (laughs) If you're like me, you read the Odyssey in like early high school, maybe ninth grade. I remember reading it in ninth grade myself. I think the Odyssey is sometimes read at the upper high school level as well, but I remember reading it in ninth grade. I remember Circe was portrayed as just this really evil witch. And that was in the Kirk Douglas movie that we watched in class. Ah. Yeah. But of course, when you actually read through the Odyssey and you do a close reading at 
say, the college level. Yeah. Or you're just reading it as a grown-ass person, and you've got some life experience behind you that makes close reading a little bit easier. You can kind of read subtext and whatnot. Circe acted in self-defense. Yes. Like in traditional Greek and Roman society, men had the brute strength on their side. Circe, on the other hand, she didn't have brute strength, but she had magic. That was her equalizer. And she, like Scarlet, was using resources at her disposal to defend her turf. The thing that seems to happen is you get a random ship full of dude bros that stumble upon her island. And she's like, she's probably one of these women who just got sick of all their shit. She's like, okay, these guys are coming here. They're acting like trash. They're trying to bang me. And it's like, I will bang you if I feel like it. Thank you for the attention and everything, but no, thank you. And she's like, okay, I'm going to turn you into a pig, turn you into a horse, turn you into this animal, that animal. I'm going to have a docile menagerie of you guys, okay? <laughs> Just leave me the fuck alone. So then I'm thinking she's one of these women who decides to turn the tables. Yes. Because you can see in, um, in the Odyssey itself, I'm going to quote from my term paper, her spellbinding voice, enchanting web, and enthralling way of singing are mentioned in quick succession implying she lured these strange men to her palace much in the same way as the sirens whom she warns odysseus about in book 12 and she's also in her palace she's weaving right yeah weaving in ancient rome is kind of a symbol of female virtue and that's part of the whole weaving that penelope was doing she would weave the tapestry and then secretly unfurl it yeah so in a sense, she was weaving that tapestry as a means of trying to keep herself pure and virtuous for that husband she is waiting for to come home after 20 fucking years. I don't know, after 20 years, I'd be like, I'm gonna pick the cutest one of the bunch, okay? <laughs> if none of you are cute, bring some friends, bring the cute friends. Then you can ring me out after the cute friends are done and maybe, just maybe, I would go back on that promise though. I'd be like, oh shit, I lied. I just fucked your good friend. But anyway, <laughs> I'm a terrible person. But in the case of Circe, this, um, this weaving is a facade. Yeah. She wants to lure her victims in there. So it's like, she's just gonna, she's gonna fuck with these guys before they can fuck with her. Cause she, there, there's a pattern of behavior that she's had to put up with. You can tell. She wants her victims to see her as this harmless hostess and she lures them in. And it's like, let me invite you in here. You're gonna occupy my space. You wanna occupy my space that badly? Fine, fine. You can drink from my bowls like an animal. Like a little kitty cat, here you go. Like a little doggy. Good boys, good boys. Drink from my bolts. And then she waves this wand. And if we're going to go into like English 101 kind of shit, it's a phallic symbol used to strike these men and emasculate them. So it, when you're doing like English 101 academic writing, if you call something a phallic symbol and you call someone a Christ figure, you're golden. <laughs> just, just go with it. How to be pretentious 101. Oh my God, that should be my YouTube channel. Pretentious writing with Carly Knight. Okay, so Circe is badass because she has agency and she'll do what she can to defend her home turf. Yeah. Maybe she's not completely fearless because her maneuvers are um, an offense in order to be a defense. She has this need to protect herself and protect her space. But it's kind of that meme about bravery. It doesn't mean you don't feel fear. It means you feel fear, but you do what you got to do anyway. And I think Circe is badass because of that. And I know somebody can argue that she gave in to Odysseus because he's strutting there because he needs to get his Man. friends turned back to people, right? Yeah. And he's, you know, he's got his toga open down to his, like, his belly button. He's got his Zodiac sign on his chest and he's got his Disco Danny chest hair on there. He's probably got a Coke spoon around his neck and 
Do they have cocaine? Ba- no, I don't think they had cocaine back then. They had um, they had those lotuses though, the lotus eaters. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, he probably ground up a little bit of that lotus powder, stuck it in a vial. He's like, I didn't partake of the lotus like my dumbass crewmen did. But these are my knuckleheads. I gotta turn them back to normal. But I'm gonna have some of this lotus powder for later when I can relax. I'm gonna go find Penelope. She and I are gonna get busy with some lotus powder. We're gonna get weird. But in the meantime, because he's been fucking his way around the ancient world. Yeah. And he's like, hey, Cersei, what's up? And the only way he can fight against her is because of Hermes, the messenger god, giving him a bunch of herbs to like counteract the spells and everything. So he really doesn't have the brute strength it takes to fight against her. Yeah. He had to get magic from a god because he's, he's sometimes favored by some of the gods, but then he's kind of the butt monkey of Poseidon. But that's a whole nother rant for another time. I'm a little bit fuzzy on my Odyssey, but I just remember Cersei was like, oh, you're hot. Yeah, I'll bang you. And then they're banging. They kind of get to know each other and they fight it out a little bit. But it's like, okay, they're kind of evenly matched, maybe. Yeah. And she's like, you know what? Maybe you're not so bad after all. You're not like your, your stupid crewman. I know you care about your crewman. Fine. I'll turn them back to normal. I'll let you get back home. Here's how you do the shit. And plug your ears with wax because those sirens are bitches. <laughs> So that is my dissertation on Circe. I'm going to go ahead and close my laptop. And I got to reuse my term paper. Yes, you did. Like that bridesmaid dress. Like that bridesmaid dress. What's next on your list? Okay. So um, I loved what you did with Circe. And I probably pronounced that wrong. And she was this individual character that was a badass female character. I'm going to throw a group team into the mix. Do it. And um, the Mothers in Joyla Club. Oh my God, it's been a thousand years since I read that. And so, yes, I've read the book, which goes into more detail about the moms. And then, of course, the movie in the 90s that everyone watched. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's sort of a twofold. It's like the mothers sort of surviving the old world and actually making something in the Bay Area in the new world. But then the daughters who then have to survive them. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So I, I feel like you really identify with this. I fucking identify <laughs> with this. And then I was thinking, I was like, badass characters. And so I, what I love about the Joyluck Club, when you watch it, you're like, oh my gosh, why are they like that? And it's so funny because then you see something like um, a mother's like, okay, I just escaped China where I was going to be forced into an arranged marriage to an abusive drunk. And I came here, found your father, created a life for ourselves. All I'm asking you to do is brush your fucking hair a little bit. Okay. (laughs) So um, I think they were all badass characters and the way that they had to deal with the people around them and then sort of raising their kids. And I was like, you know what? Shout out to, to that team. Um, I really enjoyed Amy Tan's story. Mm-hmm. And without being like, you know, most of, most of the female characters that I gravitate towards, they're going to have a gun in their hand. That's yeah. just the people I like. Um, this is one where I'm like, okay, they're not using weapons, but they're super strong and smart. And uh, they stay together as a group. So yeah, the the mothers and daughters of Joylet Club, I thought should throw be thrown into the mix as uh, badasses. I know that when you were in L.A., you dreamt of coming up to the Bay Area and you really got into um, San Francisco. Why can't I remember your favorite novel? Tales of the City. Tales of the City. That whole Tales of the City series. Yes. Was Chinatown or Joilet Club one of them? 
one of the stories you read in the early 90s that made you fall in love with San Francisco or not not that in particular? Um, it wasn't one of the San Francisco stories. It, gotcha. it was Tales of the City that made me want to move up. Just awesome. full stop. Yeah. Very cool. It's just, it's so funny. I hear a lot of your, um, your stories. <laughs> I'm like... Yeah, I'm not surprised you picked that particular. I gravitated selection. towards that one. Yeah, when you're, I've noticed that like a lot of like a lot of children of immigrants kind of have the same, not the same, but a lot of similarities to their stories. A lot of similarities, yeah. Because like you have the parents who fled their home country for various different reasons. I mean, you could be flooding. You could be fleeing. I almost said flooding. I'm like, I used to. Wear I'm taking those a jeans. past tense and then making it a gerund. Okay. Anyway, I mean, it could be something as major as a war-torn nation or that really oppressive, um, like, one-child policy that was in China or so- or something that is seemingly a little more minor, like you want to go to a country with indoor plumbing or yeah. just go to a place that's less rural or something like that. So you have your reasons. Yeah. And it takes a lot of grit and determination, basically, to adjust to a whole new land adjust to a culture where you may not speak the language, but somehow you're you're making it work and you're making a life for yourself. And of course, you're going to be really hard on your kids. Why did you get a B? <laughs> it's like, I didn't struggle to get here and work three jobs to put you through school just for you to fuck around. And be a slacker. Yeah, what's up with that? An entitled American slacker. If I were slacking, we would still be elsewhere. We would still be an X nation. Exactly. So it's like, I I kind of get that. Your parents went through some shit. (laughs) They want to make sure that you're not struggling. (sighs) I mean, maybe their methods of trying to get you to apply yourself might be extreme, but... Extreme and illegal and... I think... (laughs) Illegal? Wow. But um, I think at the root of it, it's... It's definitely a case of, I don't want you to struggle. Yeah. Because if you're fucking off and you're barely scraping by with a 2.0 GPA, you're not going to get into the good colleges unless I can afford to bribe some motherfuckers. I know, full house that. Uh, Right? (laughs) I can't afford to full house anything right now. Come on, you're getting a fucking scholarship. Shut up. Because if you do this, you're not going to struggle like I did. Yeah. So it, it's really not surprising that you identify the Joy Luck Club. Yeah. Who's next on your list? I'm going classic again. I'm going Shakespearean with Beatrice from Much Ado About Nothing. Remember the Kenneth Branagh version with Keanu in it? Yes. Which which uh, girl is she? The Emma Thompson character. Oh, yes. Yeah, okay. she was sparring with Benedict. I yes. mean, Hero and Claudio were supposed to be the young couple in love, but Claudio was slut-shaming Hero and... Fuck Claudio. Yeah. One of the fuck boys in our fuck boy episode. <laughs> but I really loved Beatrice. I remember watching that movie for the first time in my senior year. Mm-hmm. And I just totally fell in love with Emma Thompson. Oh. And, oh God, she was so wonderful as Beatrice. She just captured the wit, the sassiness. I mean, she sasses every guy on her path. Yeah. What I liked about this one is, I mean, in Shakespearean times, women were supposed to be sweet and virtuous and blah, blah, blah. And Katerina from Taming of the Shrew got treated as a shrew for using her mouth. Yep. She would mouth off at a, at a bunch of motherfuckers because she's had enough of everybody's shit. 
Beatrice, on the other hand, is very mouthy, very sassy, but she's not treated as a shrew. Yeah. So I really enjoyed that one. And what I really liked about her, too, is when Hero got slut-shamed at the altar. Oh. Yeah. She was not putting up with that. Yes. Now that Benedict is admitting that he's in love with her and all that kind of thing, she's like, okay, you know what? If you love me, you're going to murder Claudio in the face. Yeah. Because Hero and Beatrice are cousins, and Hero is her girl. She's like, you know what? That's not my baby sister. Claudio murdered my baby sister's reputation. You're going to murder Claudio. Yeah. Fuck you, Claudio. Oh my God, we should make a fuck you Claudio meme. Make that happen. Let's do that. I know I was talking about how I'm getting a little bit weary of memes. Yeah. I mean, I think it depends on the purpose of it. Because like one of my friends, she she makes memes sometimes and they're really hilarious. Shout out to you, Liz. And also she'll just post stuff that's silly and funny or twisted or whatever. Because she's like, I found a meme. Yeah. I got that for you. <laughs> Enjoy. But I think some people, it's like, they'll just post it because I want likes. Yeah. I want likes for other people's content. I'm going to pretend I'm the first person that came up with this. I'm going to pretend I'm the first person that likes something like this. Cat on a typewriter. Cat on a typewriter. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we need to make fuck you Claudio a meme. Yes. We're going to make that happen. Let's put that on our Insta. Yes. Fuck you, Claudio. No one steal our idea. Yeah. Don't fucking steal it. I'll murder you in the face like Claudio almost got murked. Okay. <laughs> I mean, nobody murks Claudio because this is a comedy. Yeah. Comedy means happy ending in Shakespearean times. Basically, Beatrice is like chicks before dicks. And she's like, okay, you won't kill Claudio for hero? Bye. But I mean, she comes to her senses. Murder's not the answer. And they kind of work out a whole thing. Yeah. And I know one of the things about her humor is um, humor is a coping mechanism for her. Not that I can identify with any of this at all. <laughs> <laughs> but she's clearly had her heart broken before. And it seems... When you watch the play or if you read it, that she and Benedict maybe had a little something going on Ooh. and he'd broken her heart before. Yeah. But she's not going to melt. She's not going to hole up away and feel sorry for herself. So she kind of puts on her wit as her armor. Yeah. And she just goes out and she braves the world. And ultimately toward the end, she learns to make herself a little more vulnerable. Like when that love letter got intercepted and she's forced to admit, okay, fine, I love Benedict. <laughs> Even though he Benedict. But I got a bunch of those. But, you know, she's a, she makes herself a little bit vulnerable toward the end. And I mean, being badass doesn't mean that you hide your vulnerability. Yeah. But she's also going to power through the world and get on with her life instead of melting into nothing. And for that, I salute her. And she's a funny bitch. <laughs> so Beatrice from Much Ado About Nothing. Oh, yeah. I love her. And I think you knew I was going to say this one or a version of this one, but this is up there. Ripley from Aliens. Of course. Yes. But you, you've seen that one, the 1986 the oh, sequel to the original? I haven't seen the sequel. I've just seen the original. The original. Okay. That's good enough. Yeah. Uh, the original I saw later on VHS. The sequel I saw at the movies. Mm. Um, so that was a moment for me. I just love this character that she's the star of this franchise. And the thing is, watching it, I never knew that was a big deal. I never knew that having a girl who wasn't just a love interest to someone being a star of a huge sci-fi film was a big deal. And then you grow up and it doesn't happen that often. In fact, here 2019, you're still circling back to a 1979 film. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I love Sigourney Weaver as Ripley. In the Alien franchise. Uh, were you drawn to her at all or thought she was badass? Oh, or? yeah. Well, she was originally written as a male character. And then they're like, you know what? 
Let's make her a woman. Why the hell not? That's so awesome. Mm-hmm. I think we need to make more original female characters without yeah. having to just graft. From Ripley. Yeah, we don't have to graft a female actress onto a male character. I think we should just give original female characters that were meant to be female, but still badass. Yeah. Oh, um, I'll just piggyback onto Ripley with this other one, which is similar. Sarah O'Connor. From Terminator. Oh my god, I aspired to Linda Hamilton arms as soon as I saw Terminator 2. Holy fuck, she right? was amazing. I need to get into that training program. And I'm just going to throw it out there. I don't know how he does it, but James Cameron writes strong female characters. Mm-hmm. There's those two. Um, there's the Navi in Avatar. And then um, the female characters in The Abyss a thousand years since i've seen the abyss i don't know never seen avatar but you never saw avatar no i just never had an interest in avatar i saw the abyss a long ass time ago i barely remember any of it which means you don't know how to speak navi no i don't <gasps> which means you could never go to the planet of pandora god damn it i'm gonna have to get duolingo for that or something uh, but i don't know what you would call the people in the abyss if <laughs> you are in a submarine but you're in the submarine to study crustaceans and fish in the deep ocean you're some sort of a scientist right i think so i hope okay. so <laughs> you're marine just... biologist maybe yeah yeah marine but but a marine yeah. biologist who also is sort of they like use those a... marine biology degrees they are not useless yes they do something but i always wanted a marine biology degree so i could mm-hmm. like be the one who claps for dolphins and killer whales in the show <laughs> until i found out that they're not happy there Oh, I know. I know. Growing up is hard. I know, right? But yes, I I guess this is the entire group of the badass women in James Cameron movies. Who would have thunk? Who'd have thunk it? Right? (laughs) How about you? Oh, what's next? Or well, do I? Who's your favorite? I'd love to know that. Out of all the James Cameron films, is it Rose Dewitt B. Cater from Titanic? No, it's Sarah Connor in T two. In T two. T two. She's doing those pull ups. Yes. She, she's able to rack a shotgun single-handedly. I'm not ready for that yet. I, at some point, at some point, I'm going to get swole, and I'm just going to rack the shotgun one hand and just... Yeah. Goals. Yes. Fitness goals. Cool. I realized that when I was working out in the past, I really wasn't challenging myself with the weights the way I could. Gotcha. And now that I'm lifting heavier, it's just like, holy shit, what a difference. I mean, it's it's a slow process, but I'm already feeling some changes. Like, nice. I, like I feel the muscles. I feel sore. And I'm like, I feel my workouts again. I feel challenged. Very and cool. And some of my lady gut is going away. Nice. I'm probably never going to have the top midriff of a cheerleader or something like that, but I'm making peace with that. As long as I maintain my ass and I get my muscle tone back. Very cool. I'm going to be good. Nice. But I noticed some definition in my quads a little bit more. Uh, There's still some jiggle on the tricep I want to get rid of, but I'm still noticing a little more as far as the muscle I'm building. Very cool. Yeah. Now, if I can get those Linda Hamilton arms. Then you can. Okay, that's going to be a huge process. But once I get them, though. Yes. Oh, I'm going to blast them on Instagram and be like, look at this shit. Yeah. Look at this shit. You can load those shotguns with one hand. Sculpt my guns sculpting my guns god i need to do more tricep dips as soon as this podcast is over i'm gonna do some more tricep dips nice be like think of sarah connor think of sarah connor (laughs) get them arms 
do one of them big nasty workouts. Oh my God, we haven't shouted big nasty out in a while. I feel like we're not Procrastination Planet if we don't shout out big nasty. We have to shout out big nasty. Um, he actually posted today and we were the first one to like his new video. We were. Yes, <laughs> because sadly an alert came up and I clicked on it wondering what it was and it was him. <laughs> Enjoying a hookah in a hot tub. And I was like, you you do you, Big Nasty. Go for it, Florine. Enjoy life. I guess we need to go to LA so we can smoke a hookah in a hot tub with him. Could you Are we invited? That? Are we invited? I hope so. And then I watched it. I was like, you have to be fit. Because I could feel like, I, I think I'd pass out if I tried that. Mm-hmm. Hot water plus vaping. Yeah, that's that's a bit much. In the sun, right? Yeah, okay. I, I'd have to do a hot tub in the shade if I do that. Yeah. But that domino certificate, <laughs> he's totally trolling us. He's I am trolling so us. convinced. Someone said, you know Let what? Let us toil in the delusion if this is not the case. Don't, uh, don't disabuse us of this notion that yes. he's sending us secret messages. But I think someone was listening to our podcast. And next thing you know, <laughs> this guy throws out a couple of Instagram <laughs> photos every so often surrounded by food. I'm like, who, who are you reaching out to, Florian? And sure not those cheerleaders. <laughs> They don't know what that brisket is. They don't eat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he, They're just going to throw it up anyway. Exactly. Okay, that was problematic, but I don't give a fuck. That was problematic. Okay. But what, what she means is they don't know how to enjoy good pizza, and we noticed that you took the time to pose with a genuine handmade pizza and all the ingredients combo style. Love it. Okay, so we're not slacking in our big nasty duties. No, we're not. <laughs> we support Mr. Florian. Damn right. Hi, big nasty. You're, you'll always be big nasty to me. I just like saying that. <laughs> I know, you just like saying that. I do, a little too much. Have you heard him say his name? He talks. He talks. Okay, because when I objectify guys, I'm just like, you don't talk. You just, you're just, shh, just be pretty. Just, shh, shh. He sounds like, my name is Big Nasty. Okay, I'm going to have to watch. Yeah, it's a gravelly voice. In that case. But on <laughs> to your next badass female. On to my next badass woman. Badass woman. Badass bitch. Badass bitch. I don't like female as a, as a noun. As a noun. Usually it's like really shitty dudes like, females do this. Ah. Okay. I like bitches better. Yes. <laughs> Super heroines. Yes. Super heroines. I'm going to go with another classic of Mall Flanders. Oh. Yeah. I want to hear you dissect this one. This <laughs> is going to be interesting. So basically, Mall Flanders is... I think she's one of the first female characters who was kind of unapologetic for being a bad girl. Yeah. Quote unquote bad girl. She's conceited as shit, but she's trying to be all low key about it. Being like, I'm not being conceited about how beautiful I am. Everyone around the house just happens to be talking about how beautiful I am and how I'm more beautiful than all these other little rich bitches in the house. (laughs) No tea, no shade, but these are just facts. But she was someone who was born in prison she was raised in a, in a rich people's house because they were like, okay, she's an orphan. We can always use a servant girl. So we'll just have this bespoke custom-made servant girl. And she balls her way out of that one. She's just like, oh, wah, wah, I don't want to be a servant. Wah, I'm a little kid. Wah, wah, wah. And somehow she gets raised in the household as one of their own. Oh. I'm a little bit fuzzy on the beginning chronology. I think she started off in more servitude because she wasn't going to be like an adopted daughter or anything like that. But they're like, you know what? You can marry a guy who's not a servant. Yeah. But she uses marriage as a stepping stone, kind of the way Scarlet did. Yeah. I mean, that that's kind of what you had to do at the time. I mean, society is rough if you're a woman, let alone one of the lower classes. So the fact that she was able to rise above her station is extremely remarkable. 
I mean, she did what she had to do to keep herself fed. She'd do petty theft. She was Mall Cut Purse one of her nicknames, or was that from uh, was that from Beggar's Opera? I'm getting all of my Restoration era <laughs> lit all confused. But there's kind of this redemption toward the end. I think that was tacked on, though. Yeah. I think it's kind of like those exploitation movies of the 40s and the 50s, where you have your characters acting in all kinds of inappropriate ways, and you're kind of reveling in it, but then you tack a moral at the end of it, be like, don't do these cool things, and then boom, it's fit for the audiences and the censors won't keep it from being shown in the theaters because we show the consequences of these actions. So I think that was the reason the whole so-called redemption arc was there, because I don't think she was truly repentant of her actions. It was just like, did what I had to do. And she, I don't think she's someone who has regrets. Yeah. And she got a bit of a happy ending, right? Um, Honestly, I don't remember. Like her and the husband like lived somewhat happily ever after. Oh yeah, I think she and her husband moved to America, then they moved back to England. I think she was shipped out to the colonies for her crimes, but then they were able to move back to England. I think after enough time was had passed, but yeah, she did pretty well for herself. She didn't yeah. have to hang for her crimes or something like that. She was exactly. punished to that extent. Very cool. I have I have to applaud um, Daniel Defoe being a male author who allowed a female character to be unrepentantly bad. Nice. So that's your badass character. That's my badass Mall Flanders. Mall Flanders. Um, my last one. And I have to um, put this out here because I can't have a badass list without throwing her in here. Olivia Pope and Scandal. I keep hearing all about her. That's There's so much TV to watch. It's like I never get a chance yeah. to watch everything. So she's problematic in, in a lot of ways, but she wears that white hat and she tries to do her best. Of course, I got into the show because she was banging the president. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and so I was like, is it going to work? Is it not? And then when you're getting into all that drama, you realize that she's her own person doing as much good as she possibly can. But yeah, I I came back for that president romance. Um, (laughs) But I don't think you can mention badass female characters without mentioning Olivia Pope in that white pantsuit. To be able to pull off a white pantsuit, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And the white hat. So she is a... I'm going to end my list with her as a strong, badass bitch character. Oh, right. Who just uh, doesn't take any prisoners, doesn't care what the CIA or the FBI have against her, will continue to sleep with the married president. But this, nothing in reality, this is that hottie from Scandal. What's his name? You know him. The bad guy from Ghost. Oh, God. Bad guy from Ghost. Fucking shit. He's a Goldwyn. Tony Goldwyn, who plays President Fitzgerald Grant. Hmm. Yes. And it's like when she's not with him, she's dating even hotter, scarier guys. So I, I just, I loved that show. <laughs> and I loved Olivia Pope. And I can't believe you haven't seen Scandal. I know. I am I am so behind on that. You know, I think. Because I know if I start binge watching, I'm not. You're going to, and you're going to stop. Yeah. And there's so much to catch up on too. It's just really overwhelming. Yeah. It, it just gives me anxiety when I have to do a lot of catching up. Um, I think you would... It makes me not start a lot of shows that are all hyped up. I'm like, no, that's too much catching up to do. I can't do it. Too much catching up. Too much work. You would enjoy her crusades and the work that she does, but I think you would be put off by the back and forth romance that stretches over eight years of will they, won't they, will they, won't they. Mm. Yeah. Okay. 
So I ended mine with Olivia Pope. Who are you doing? I'm going to, um, I have two more. Go for it. I want to hear this. Okay, I'm going to go a little more contemporary. Nice. I'm going to go with Matilda Wormwood from Roald Dahl's Matilda. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what is it about Matilda? Just that she's an awesome genius? Yeah, she was very much an awesome genius. And she also persevered in the face of a very unsupporting, unsupportive family environment. Yes. Her parents would just rather watch TV. They didn't encourage her reading. They kind of made fun of her for reading. And they just wanted to be ignorant and shitty. And she's like, no, I like reading. I like thinking. I like having a brain in my head. And she used her powers for good. And she turned out to have like like some kind of telekinesis. Basically, oh, wow. Carrie without the prayer closet. <clears throat> I mean, I'm glad she realized she had these powers as a little kid instead of after getting the period, because then she'd be thrown into the prayer closet. And then there's the breasts, and then there's the blood, and there's the boys that can just smell it on you, Carrie. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and then she get pig blood thrown on her and yeah. burn the town. Okay. So Matilda is not Carrie. No. Matilda is not Carrie White. Matilda is pretty well adjusted in spite of her fucked up upbringing. Yes. So we get introduced to Mrs. Trunchbull, who's the headmaster at the school. And she's just this really horrible bully. And she'd do this really over the top kind of shit to the kids. And that way it's so over the top that if you tell your parents what happened, the parents are like, that's not even believable. So she kind of um, gets really audacious with her punishments because she knows she can get away with that shit. But Matilda finally, you know, gets back at her. Yeah. And kind of does little pranks to her. And then it turns out that Mrs. Trunchbull is the favorite teacher, um, Miss Honey's auntie. And she cheated Miss Honey out of her inheritance. And it's kind of implied that she killed Magnus, her brother. Matilda uses her powers to scrawl this message to scare the fuck out of mrs trunchbull agnes i am magnus quit fucking around better give miss honey her inheritance you know so uh, miss honey ends up getting her inheritance she gets paid she ends up adopting matilda so she can have an intellectually stimulating environment i assume that she would not throw matilda into a prayer closet yeah with the saint sebastian covered in the arrows goodness she's not gonna get pelted with tampons going plug it up plug it up plug it up Stephen King has traumatized so many. I know! Holy shit. I was going to get with the Brit lid again, and then I decided, you know what, for my last one, I'm going to go with Lucky Santangelo, my improv. Oh, she's from the Lucky Santangelo series of Jackie Collins novels. Oh. I've sung Jackie Collins' praises before, and I know a lot of people like to cite literary influences as far as what made you want to be a writer. Gotcha. And I can cite literary influences as far as being bitten by the short story bug. Yeah. And what has inspired my short story writing as of late. But what really got me started as far as wanting to be a writer. Uh-huh. Jackie motherfucking Collins. Nice. So. Chances. I know. Lucky and Chances. Chances was the first novel that Lucky Santangelo appeared in. And she's pretty much like this wild child of former mobster Gino Santangelo. Let's see, I think he's like he was like a traditional Sicilian guy and he just wants his daughter to be married to a rich guy who's 
gonna keep her and give them grandchildren and all that kind of thing. She's like, fuck that noise. She got married young and then she's like, nope, fuck that shit, I'm out. So she got, the, I think the marriage got annulled. Oh. So no kids out of that one. And she is, she's pretty much ruthless. She turned out to be like a female version of her dad. Oh. Although she's a little more legit. She's not afraid to pick up a gun and shoot a motherfucker if the occasion calls for it. But she ended up building casinos and marrying billionaires. And then she's like, nah, you're dead. I got your, I got half your money. All right. I'm going to go marry this hot ass stand up comedian. She ends up marrying a comedian turned actor, Lenny Golden. And she pretty much just plays by her own rules. Yeah. Like when she was younger, she would butt heads with, with Gino. But then as they got older, she became an adult. They kind of came to an understanding and he realizes that, hey, my daughter's a badass. I got to encourage this shit. Right. She's very loyal to her friends, her family. She will do anything for anyone she loves. She's very fierce. They actually made a miniseries of it. Did you watch it? Nicolette Sheridan was playing Lucky Sant'Angelo. And I have a problem with that. Lucky Sant'Angelo was supposed to be of Italian descent. Dark haired, wild hair. I don't know if her hair ever got combed throughout the whole series. I don't know. But <laughs> her hair is always described as this wild tangle of black curls. Yeah. And then you have this Germanic looking Nicolette Sheridan playing an Italian broad. So I don't know. That's a lot of suspension of disbelief I would have to do. But I think I would have to watch it gotcha. here and now for the sake of camp. Yeah, for the sake of camp. I wonder if I could stream it somewhere. I don't know if that particular miniseries. Somebody find that for me. Yes. I'm putting that on my wish list. It's kind of like me putting that song from um, The Gun and Betty Lou's Handbag on yeah. our wish list. And Penelope Ann Miller never got back to me. Fuck her. Oh, man. Watch out, Penelope Ann Miller. <laughs> it's okay. You're safe. We're just joking around. It's a podcast, I promise. Don't sue us. <laughs> no 5150 holds for us. Mm-hmm. So I like that. Lucky chances. If you ever find it, let us know. That's the, that's the miniseries. Yeah. For 80s, era. early 90s miniseries. Yes. The Nicolette Sheraton version. I'm going to watch it and have questions. So if I can stream that anywhere, we have to watch it together and then we have to talk about it. Yes. That's what we got to do. All right. Yeah. So that was my last minute change to add Lucky Sant'Angelo to the list. How did I forget about Lucky Sant'Angelo? I think I was just kind of caught up in my old timey scholarly thing. And then I ended with Jackie Collins. Which people are probably going to use to crib for their exams and steal your ideas and Use it for their papers. So yeah, there, there's going to be them. Lucky Santangelo references in their Odyssey term papers. And then after Cersei turned them into pigs, Lucky Santangelo walks out. <laughs> it's kind of like when Lucky Santangelo busted into the casino and she told Dimitri that in no uncertain terms was she gonna. It's going to happen in someone's paper. Yeah, yeah it's going to happen. I almost made a Showgirls reference in a Macbeth paper. Because it's like, you know how um, Macbeth killed Duncan, right? Yes. So Macbeth killed Duncan, and there was kind of this reference. Um, I forgot if it was something Banquo said or something that he was saying, but the way he got his powers is probably going to be the way that he like um, falls from grace. How did you tie that to Showgirls? Because it reminded me in Showgirls that there's always going to be someone waiting at the top of the steps to push you down. Crystal Connors. Wasn't Gina Gershon Gore? I loved her oh my so God. much. Showgirls is the best fucking movie ever. Oh, goodness. We got to talk about Showgirls in an episode as well. I don't give a fuck. Yes, because then I can get into my Gina Gershon obsession from the 90s. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm still obsessed with Gina Gershon. I don't care. Right? (laughs) 
our episode. All right. So we started literary, then we ended up with Jackie Collins and Showgirls. Yes. On that note, I'm Carly Knight. And I'm Sabrina Monet. And this has been Procrastination Planet. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Procrastination Planet has been written and produced by me, Carly Knight, and my partner in crime, Sabrina Monet. Our logo was designed by C. Trojan of C. Trojan Art. For more of his work, go to ctrojanart.com. Our theme music is Laser Unicorns by Christian Penn, courtesy of Gemendo Licensing. Visit us at procrastinationplanet.com. Follow us on Twitter at ProcrastPlanet. Follow us on Instagram at ProcrastinationPlanetPodcast. If you like us, tell your friends and spread the word. If you hate us, lie and tell your friends how much you like us anyway. We could use the publicity.